Let's see. All right, three, two, one, pause. William Ramsey. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, a very special guest. I have multiple guests, five people with me on this broadcast. We're going to discuss a book published this year, and uh, people are talking about this phrase, the global reset. Tonight's show, a very special guest. I have multiple guests, five people with me on this broadcast. We're going to discuss a book published this year, and uh, people are talking about the global reset. Tonight's show, a very special guest. I have multiple guests, five people with me on this broadcast. We're going to discuss a book published this year, and uh, people are talking about Who's is that? I believe that was me. Okay, good. All right. right. (laughs) I had the YouTube on, but that was fun. That's okay. All right. So anyway, the book is COVID-19, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab and Thierry Malloray. And uh, I've read the, the entirety of the book. My guests have. My guests uh, include Johnny Iron of the Fringe Radio Network and the Iron Show, Mark Breton, and Chris from Don't Let Them Burn. I've done a bunch of recent shows with him about cultism and music in Hollywood. And Zach Magaha from uh, Indie Dinosaur, I think is what the name is. But we, we've done Indie Rock Dancer. Indie Rock Dancer, thanks. So uh, I will take questions from anybody watching or listening on YouTube. It's, this broadcast is being streamed all over the place. But uh, just to kind of get started, uh, this book, uh, you know, the introduction of the book says, the worldwide crisis triggered by the coronavirus virus pandemic has no parallel in modern history. Um, but he talks, Rob talks about that this existential crisis can harbor the potential for transformation. So uh, a new, he kind of avoids saying new world order, but he does say a new world will emerge, the contours of which are for us to both imagine and to draw. So I think that he's definitely, Schwab is definitely his ideas, his intent is to uh, really kind of reset. His earlier book was The Fourth Industrial Revolution, which he says we're in right now which the fourth industrial revolution pertains to um, this kind of new ability to do 3d printing and uh, beyond mass communication. So anyway, anybody would like to get started, Mark, Johnny, Chris, anybody who would like to kind of talk about their initial overview or impressions of the book? Um, uh, Well, my impression is what the news media does. Crisis, crisis, crisis. Everything is a crisis. We have a short time to get the world restructured um, away from the old vision of globalism to the new vision of globalism, uh, which is more tribal. And that's what I see from this book. Yeah, it's very strange because multiple times he talked about how we we had to do that just because, because he talked about the... uh, the pandemic isn't anything like on par with the black plague or anything like that, but because we're so like connected globally, like with the various financial systems, he uses that as an excuse to do what Chris said. And it's almost like we have to do it because if we don't do it, the governments are just going to overreact and kill the economies, you know, on a whim. Mm -hmm. Anybody else, Johnny, Mark? Um, I just noticed um, it's kind of based off three different uh, things that he identifies. Um, 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 com- um, complexity, velocity, and uh, interdependency. 
And so he tries to say, you know, um, what Zach was saying, basically. Um, he's trying to say that because technology is like increasing at an exponential rate, you know, logarithmic on a logarithmic curve. Um, for those who don't know what that is, that's like, like technology that doubles, uh, every, like, uh, it doubles from, uh, like the last hundred years, you know, and then, and then from the last hundred years to the next 10 years and it keeps getting the time get, keeps getting shorter and shorter, um, uh, for, for technology to double. So it's like an exponential growth. It's, uh, um, it's, uh, and, and then the velocity and then the interdependency, what, which is what Zach was saying is because that since we're so tied together now, uh, technologically that, uh, yeah, he thinks everything's going to go hog wild because of that. And one of the reasons I brought in Councilor Mark, Councilor Mark is, um, He's, oh, he has oh. a, a master's in uh, pastoral counseling and a master's in divinity. He's working on his doctoral thesis in theology. So I thought I'd bring in a heavy hitter to talk about, you know, because he know Mark understands the human condition really well. And I thought he could address some of that. My opening statement is, is really when, when Klaus is talking about um, velocity, interdependency, and, uh, and, um, uh, complexity and then tying humanity to its technology. It's like my whole take on that is we're not technology because yes, our technology is like increasing at an exponential, uh, rate. You know, it's doubling and doubling and doubling, getting shorter and shorter between the doubling. It's like it's snowballing, but humanity isn't. I mean, we're just as, we're just the same as we were, you know, 5,000 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you can really actually compare humanity with the tools that we've invented. I don't know. Councilor Mark, you might want to speak to yeah, that. I'm sorry, Mark. I mistook because I thought a friend of Chris was coming along. His name was David Paxton. So I mistook. I didn't. I mistook you for Chris's friend. So Mark, please, Mark, uh, yeah, he's one of my co-hosts on the Iron Show. We've made each other famous over the last ten years. So cool, Love awesome. It. Well, uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it, uh, guys. My quick take on it is that this is the Tower of Babel, except they don't care about God. <laughs> I like it. Well, it's interesting because there isn't anything about God in the book, so you can kind of see what's not in the book, which isn't anything Christian, Jesus. And he actually kind of does kind of a bla uh, subtly blasphemous thing, which I noted, which he says, we're going to see the world BC before coronavirus and after coronavirus. So, yeah, and then also there was like a slot. I mean, I guess you would say Freemasonic type thing where the book's ending on section 3.3. And that whole section is about how humanity is going to rise above from being in quarantine. Like basically they're broken. But then they're going to get more creative while they can't go out and live lives. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, when I looked at this, you know, I, I read a bunch of it. I listened to a lot of analysis. Somebody I listened to a lot is James Corvette. And uh, this, there is nothing new about this. And they think that we're actually going to believe that somehow COVID had the severity enough to crash this whole thing and it didn't it was like they were hoping it would it seemed like they were all the time feeding numbers into this and the human dynamic of it is they they got 
have you guys heard of the term Karen? Yeah. 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 And what they did is they created a, a, a civilian police force, Karens and whoever else, to go around, <clears throat> build a new morality, and absolutely lambast people. I, I saw people when I watch YouTube and did the research, they were getting beat up for not wearing a mask, and yet the masks don't work. They told us right off the bat that the size of the coronavirus virus part, particulate itself just right through the mask. And so they have tried to generate a faith, but it's a faith in something that uh, it's, it's smoke and mirrors to move to an end. And the end is the same as they've always tried to do. And that is run the world like man and it, it, it always, always, always brings tremendous amounts of suppression and slavery, enslavement, mentally, emotionally. And before you know it, somebody's trying to rule the world. And and it's just who they pick. So well, It's interesting you say that because he mentions in the book that the post-pandemic era will usher in a period of massive wealth redistribution from the rich to the poor from capital to labor, but it's the exact opposite is what's taking place. So what he wrote about is not so all the wealthy, big, you know, corporate interests are doing just fine, but the mom and pop stores right now are just being hammered. People are like, I mean, right now, if you look at some of this recent information, there's like 250 million people in the whole globe that are food deprived. So like you're, you're looking at something that far outweighs the effects of this virus where you have a hundred times more people die from starvation. So some so, of this stuff in the book is not, in my opinion, he's definitely making an argument, but it's not correct. Yeah, I agree with that. I, as I was doing the, my poor economic analysis on a, on this, you see, and, and I, I guarantee, guys, I won't hog the conversation, but what you see is, is he talks about how government has to own private industry. We have to invest in such a way so that there is an equality of outcome, which is just a terrible idea. And so in his talking about that, then he's like, we need to have government ownership in these companies. So what did they do? They have consistently, and you've seen it, can be completely irrational. They have consistently all over America, and they're doing it in other parts of Western the Western world, is they're shutting down all the mom and pops. And I believe the reason why they're doing that is because the government can't own stock in a corner coffee store. So they drive the coffee store into the ground, but everybody can go to Walmart, Home Depot, and Lowe's, but they can own stock in those companies, and then they can force those companies to move in a way that is a quality of outcome. And so that's a thought process I had on it as well as it regarded the economics. And that's it. just seeing that alone, the absolute arbitrary and pernicious attack on family business should set everyone off of this. Everybody should just be like, no way, we are not going to do this. And yet they fed us the lie of COVID. And I'm not saying that COVID isn't a virus and that's not out there. I tested positive for it. Uh, and I got through it. It's just that it is the same mechanism that they always use. It, it reminds me of when uh, 
when Stalin starved all the productive farmers. And so, it, right. I mean, the, the parallels are, for any slightly educated person, the parallels are massive, absolutely huge. And yet, we are crying, and I'm, saying, I'm not saying we, I'm saying the world is going through this thing, and they're terrified of people dying, and their family, and they can't go to the funerals, and they're crying out, bring me a savior. And this is this guy and his people, and they're saying, we can save you. It's yeah, Antichrist. What confuses me is what exactly, like, what kind of authority does Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum have? Because I'm not really like, are they actually connected to like the UN at all? Like, I, I just yes. don't really understand what they do. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot. Do you want to talk? Do you know about that, Chris? Yeah, they're, they're a World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins University, Davos Group. Uh, G20, World, World Economic Forum, and there's actually probably hundreds or thousands of more organizations all interconnected um, from top to bottom. And I have a map here. If I, if I find it, I'll have um, a Gotcha. I mean, um, he, that, yeah. I mean, well, Trump has been around a while. I think he has some, like, secret society connections, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant by from top to bottom. Uh, but uh, I want to uh, touch on a couple points here that you guys brought up before we leave it. Um, you, uh, somebody was talking about the mask and all that and how the, the Karens are like uh, basically the brown shirts. Well, there's something that everybody needs to look up. It's called the Strong Cities Network. Strong Cities Network. What it will become is a global police force, but not in the way that you imagine the blue hats or whatnot. Okay, um, in America, we had President Obama and Loretta, Loretta Lynch in the United Nations talking about this, but it's not their idea. They were just pushing it. So you want to look that up. Uh, the second thing is technocracy. Everybody used to need to get used to the word technocracy because this, that's what these people are. They're technocrats. And they want to pretty much bring in engineers and scientists like Fauci and others to run the world. Uh, even though the Bible says that there will be 10 kings, this is their plan, okay? And uh, they want to own everything. This is like a, a new form of fascism, communism, and whatnot, but that's not what they call it. It's technocracy. It's been around for a long time. As you read in the book, he went all the way back into the early 1900s and a little bit into the 1800s. Um, they want to destroy the middle class through the system. So that's why we see all of these uh, bars and whatnot getting locked down. And later on in the book, he goes into the emotional strings. Uh, I have a note here in my Kindle. Um, he said COVID-19 was the determinant element. George Floyd's death was the spark that lit the fire of social unrest, but the underlying conditions created by the pandemic, in particular, the racial inequities, sorry, inequalities that it laid bare and the rising level of unemployment were the fuel that amplified the protests and kept them going. What he's doing here, he's mixing half truth. <laughs> I mean, because we were, our economy was strong. It wasn't something everybody's poor or whatnot. Our economy was elevated uh, through the Trump presidency, and now he's saying the opposite to that. But most people that don't understand what happened, 
they're going to read this and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also with the, the, the idea of BLM and all these things that he talked about, a lot of, a lot of what he said in there was false. Uh, again, half truth, because we know uh, people that study this stuff. We know that they were getting paid um, through whatever function and, and um, they had act blue and they're also connected to a lot of, I'm talking about BLM here. Um, they're also connected to a lot of occult movements um, from the Yoruba religion and calling up spirits. So when they come out and they say, you have to say George Floyd's name, say his name, say his name. They're trying to call up, up his spirit because they're into ancestor worship. Many people don't know that, but I just want to give that little spiel there. No, it's interesting yeah, that he does that. mention it. Go, Please continue, Zach. Go. Uh, I was going to say the main thing about all that that annoyed me in uh, Klaus's book was that he tried to write the BLM riots off as far or as, you know, in the same way as that kind of like a Gnostic Phoenix rising from the ashes. Like we're all like inequality is shown and then everyone is like uh, deciding to do something now to like speed up the alchemy process, basically. Yeah. It's all fake. We, I mean, we know that it's, you know, the governments and various people push it as Chris was saying, but it's just, it shows you that they're trying to do that and like trying to like boil the population down and then get them to like reform in their image. Yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah just an interesting point from the book on Mark's comment where he was talking about bailouts. He was talking, uh, Schwab was talking about conditional bailouts, which basically means the government is kind of backdoored into these corporations. So, yeah. He talks about that, and then he also uses that phrase that uh, Biden uses, which is "build back better." So there's, you know, he's definitely, uh, definitely talking about kind of supporting the corporations, but the little guy kind of gets stiffed. Yeah, I, I wanted to respond to uh, the Lee Veltman there in the comment uh, comments. I was using like theosophical language, but in a negative way. I'm, I'm not a theosophist. <laughs> I, I must have missed that. Let me see if I can find it. He, he may have been talking about something else in the chat. I yeah. think the, the point cool. that Chris brought up about the technocracy. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, know this, the technocracy was formed in the 30s at uh, Columbia University. And uh, it's uh, really remained in the shadows for a long time. At first, it was abandoned after a few years. But the hardcore believers kept it going. And that is a it's it's a society that's ruled by the technological elite or a rule not by politicians who know how to smile and make and do back, you know, uh, do uh, backroom deals and, you know, kiss babies. But people that are actually <clears throat> people uh, ruling that are actually qualified technologically. So, you know, somebody who is the president would be somebody would, would be probably would have a, uh, a sociology degree and probably a military uh, education. And um, and it would just keep on uh, different scientists would be in different offices of leadership. So it's a it's a rule by the technological elite or it's a little bit like um, it's hard to I don't know. It's 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 kind of like what you're seeing now with Google and uh, Facebook. It, yeah. uh, you can see the technology 
is starting to rule. Can you see that, you know, happening in the background? How it's starting to rise. Absolutely. Absolutely. The censorship from all the tech giants, all that stuff. It's uh they're they're twisting definitely twisting the, the screws on us, I think. Yeah. It's actually it would be it's like it's like a lot of these other ideologies. They're actually the idea of them is pretty good, you know, just the core idea that yeah, you would want to be ruled by people who are qualified, you know. But it doesn't really play out that way <laughs> because you know, that's not how the world works. But, right, but don't you think there's a subtext under this book and everything Schwab says of something kind of sinister that he leaves out kind of the religious elements? It's just like Chris said, he's a technocrat. So I, for me, that kind of uh, element of sinister element of this book and his personality, like I saw him kind of in the David Rockefeller vein where he's trying to influence not only the ideologies but literal actual politicians all over the world if you look at his global leadership group they have thousands and thousands of people not just in the u.s but all over the world that are tied in with schwab's kind of groups and his ideology right i'm, I'm looking up a map here for you guys uh because there is a map that pretty much shows everything i left out the the bilderberg as well and also okay so when it comes to tech and i don't want to you know go too far off into this but um when coronavirus hit, I think it was MIT, uh, they sent one of their dog robots over to Singapore to manage social distancing. So that was a testing ground for these robots that are already good to go. They're just not weaponized. At least that version of the robot is not weaponized. And also what you're going to see um, in a few years, starting in mostly in the blue cities, you're going to see cops with drones and whatnot. Um, you're going to see AI cars. You're going to see much more self-driving cars, um, self-driving buses, self-driving trucks, uh, UAVs, MAVs, MAUAVs, all of these technical, technological terms that I could throw out. But what's the point? The point is that AI eventually will control the world on different levels, but it will be encompassed in what you guys talked about earlier, the fourth industrial revolution, uh, which is the internet of things and multiple AIs are already being developed. I can't go into all that now, but uh, this is the technocratical power that's already in starting to get ingrained in much of our municipalities. Um, but most people don't know. Oh, interesting. Great comment. Anybody else? Actually, actually there's the people. You're not seeing the technocrats themselves actually starting to gain power. You're seeing technology itself, like yeah. in the in the form of AI starting to grab hold, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. That's that's something to think. I have to think about. That's incredible. You're right, too. And and this whole COVID thing, um, you know, Klaus says in that book that, you know, uh, there were things where, uh, you know, the government or the governments around the world were putting, uh, you know, kind of putting the kibosh on and stalling things. Um, they're like looking at regulations uh, like drones and uh, telemedicine and all these things where and now that COVID hit, everybody wants the contactless that's another. There's a lot of these phrases in these books. In this book, that's going to become 
like mainstream, the contactless distribution. That's in the contactless economy, you know, with the drones. And um, anyway, uh, before the COVID hit, it's like uh, telemedicine. That's a good example. I remember at the, around the turn of this century, um, I was really excited because I could just get a hold of a doctor on the internet and get him to uh, send me some speed. I thought, hey, that's great. <laughs> but uh, then they, they came in, you know, the government came in and said, no, 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 no. Well, that's, I just noticed when I was up um, in Washington State during the fires, we were escaping the fires going up to Washington State. I'm in Portland, land of uh, riots and uh, riots and roses. Uh, we were up in Washington State and I saw all these telemedicine commercials again on, um, you know, uh, on Washington TV networks and i'm like wow so yeah there's got all these doctors on there ready to write you prescriptions for anything you want you know and i'm like wow well how did that happen you know i thought the government was clamping down well it's because of the covid it's because of the contactless thing and the um the drones they're they're um fast tracking uh drone regulations So that Amazon can deliver your, you know, can deliver your toilet paper with a drone, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's all being, the the COVID just changed the game, you know? No, it really did. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to share, before we get to the program, this uh, map that I have, and it's a legit map. Um, It's all over the place. I first saw it on Business Insider. Um. Are you able to share through StreamYard? Oh, there yeah. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, the comments in the way, though. Okay. That's scary looking. All right. So, if if anybody's used to you know esoteric stuff, um, you know this would be the counter, the round table or whatnot here. And but but we know that this is not the actual round table. The people that we're talking about, their names are not really known. And so this would be the outer circle. And then as we zoom out here, and this is kind of old because it has Kerry here and Bush, Hillary, um, Mitt Romney and whatnot. But you see, it's, 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 it's a global infrastructure that's it, it's, it's hard to take down. You know, you have Intel and AIG, Gillette, all these people that are capitulating to all of the weirdness you see with the drag queens and the, you know, <laughs> all the weird stuff you see on TV, man. Uh, McDonald's, you see Lily, Target, Ford, all of the the, the institutions. And here you have Skull and Bones, uh, Rand Corporation, Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg, uh, um, American, what's that, Economic Association, a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Um, other ones I've had, there goes Economic Forum at the top. And so Schwab, yeah. it's massive. It's massive, Boy Scouts. But how do they get all this power? It's over time, over decades. Um, they don't. They didn't uh, initially own all of this. But um, there we are. Yeah, no, it's a massive network. Yeah. Where did you get that map? Uh, Business Insider. Business Insider. A lot of tech based. Yeah. Yes. But it's also like what you don't see. You don't see the mom and pop shops. You don't see the small uh, businesses on there. You don't see outsider politicians. You see a Bush and all those people are all connected through their families or 
skull and bones, bush and carry, both bonesmen. Doesn't it make sense what Klaus said in there about the basically the government um, owning the corporations, but it's not about profit, it's about taking care of the community. Well, that's communist talk. Is uh, They want to own everything and redistribute the wealth and they claim they're going to redistribute the wealth from the, um, the wealthy, uh, but that's not totally true. And I'm not for that idea anyway, that ideology, but um, it's, it's creating a slave class. Right. And when you get into the, the technical technological aspects, I, I don't know. I, you know, I just, I, I look at tech all the time. Okay. They have maps where, They'll have people in America on the outskirts by 2050, meaning the, the coastlines in megacities and also the, the smaller towns will be cut off uh, for animal land. And all, they, there'll be a couple small towns, but mostly big cities, megacities. And then we, we let's talk about the economical aspects of the social credit score, right? Right. We ha- and then the, the uh, what's, the, what's the other one called? Um, the the income global income oh my gosh i forgot the technical term yeah you know, guaranteed basic income yes basic yeah, income UBI, universal ubi ubi yes uh so they, oh, universal they, basic income sorry right and they've been they've been pushing that for a while but when i shared an article no one really cared so <laughs> i stopped sharing the articles but it's, it's big, it's, it's huge, and this is all a part of it. What I'll do in a moment is also bring up the map from, um, uh, I think, the United Nations or World Economic Forum. They'll show you how they're going to control industry. Okay. And they use terminologies that most people don't understand because it's, you know, it's like saying the progressive. No one can argue against we want to progress, right? right? But it means something else to them. Sure it does. It's just like to the Mormons, uh, holy holiness means something else. Jesus is somebody else to them, you know. So uh, once we start to get around their speak, we get to understand the full, you know, table of contents. I guess. Um, let me try to look for that map. I'm going to stop sharing for a second. I was uh, looking at the economics, and this has been a very, very long game of chess. Mm-hmm. And and I think that <laughs> these folks don't know that they're ultimately playing chess against God, so they're going to lose. Right. But so, so many people are going to suffer in the interim. And uh, I, so as I was reading the book, I kept looking further back and further back and seeing how, you know, way back, you know, as the global banks were established just dec- or uh, centuries ago, and the one of the biggest pieces that we've seen, I homeschooled my kids, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they introduced Common Core. Mm-hmm. So rather than having schools being controlled at the local school board level, what they did is is they gave people money, just like they did with the freeways. They 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 came in and they built these things, and then they said, hey you got to do what we tell you because we're giving you money or we've given you money. And so now with COVID, everybody's been forced to stay home in, in so many places. And as a result, kids are at home. And now that they're doing their learning electronically, uh, 
they are they have found a tool using a common curriculum, common core, and a common technology to educate children because they have to get rid of homeschooling. Yeah. And so as I look at all these different things, these little pieces that they have to continue to eliminate over and over and over again, and they're going to be able to say to people, they're like, well, you don't need to homeschool your kid. He's already at home. He has to be on the screen. And, and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Except for the people, of course, that stand up against this. But the way that they're going to get at us is with things like social score and you know, do I have a passport that indicates I've had the vaccine and, and whatnot? I've already had the COVID. I don't want the vaccine. And so they threaten us with another strain or they keep flogging that. And they're using it, like I said, like chess. And, and I think one of our big problems is that uh, our leadership, you can see it in America, our leadership by and large is not aware of the chess game. They're just aware of the, the the funnel of money and what they think is power. Right. And so they just, boy, they'll sell everybody uh, and just to get these little things. And then the lies that we see just over and over again, psychologically, people have allowed themselves to become like, I listen to a lot of different news sources. I listen to NPR. I like to tell people I listen to NPR every day so I can hear just how racist I am um, <laughs> and, and all these other things. And, and it's like I, these, this whole thing. And Johnny was talking early about the technocracy and everything. You know, the government basically outsourced surveillance and surveillance morality and, and, uh, and virtue signaling. So they created out of us their own police force of that unique kind that they needed because there are sheriffs in America right now that are refusing to enforce COVID regulations and refusing to come down on these mom and pop places or, you know, bars or clubs or whatever, or gyms, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're not enforcing it in my city where I live in L.A., uh, there's the small businesses are definitely breaking COVID res- restrictions right now. Well, I live in Tennessee and I can tell you, I'm from Florida and, uh, and I did 12 years in the military and uh, ended up in Tennessee and here in Tennessee, except for two main big areas, which also always go blue in elections. Uh, they're basically telling everybody to get bent. They're just like telling the government, if you cannot come to me with statistics showing that having people in my bar actually bumps the count, then I don't care what you have to say. And then the, the, the governments are like, well, we, we're not going to show you that because they know that it's a lie. And so fortunately here in Tennessee, we, we don't care. We're like, whatever. But they're sneaking the vaccine into Tennessee as part of a pilot program. So no matter yeah, I'm in Tennessee too, and honestly, seeing people in rural areas without masks give you gives you a lot of hope because people at the local level just really don't care about it. I mean, you have some of the people in the caring category, but they don't. Right. It's rare. Nothing like you see in the cities. Can yeah. I? I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, over the last month, I have watched more and more establishments, even when they're carry out 
uh, and you can't sit in the restaurant. I've watched more and more establishments uh, lose the sign on their door about COVID guidelines. They're just like, yeah, screw it. Come on in, buy what you need, get what you want. And people that work there might be wearing masks, but Mm -hmm. now it's a free-for-all, and I'm glad to see it. I am perfectly glad to see it because if we don't push against this, I think we should at least go down swinging. Yeah, I agree. I have uh, okay. I have two points that's going to lead back to this map that we're talking that I'm viewing here that we're viewing. Um, okay, so I'm going to show you guys a document that most people haven't seen, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm showing you what's in the game plan. This, as far as I know, this is an official document. Okay, see that. The sparse pandemic, 2025-2028, a futuristic scenario for public health risk communicators. It's what that, and it, where is it from? John Hopkins Center for Health Security. It has um, table of context, the people involved. Um, John Hopkins, again. This is a 89-page document, and it goes, it's just like uh, Event 201. Right. And, um, and dark winter, right? So it shows you the spark outbreaks begin, uh, possible cure, potential vaccine, users beware, going viral, grass is always green, all these little topics here. Um, I'll send it to anybody that needs it. Um, hey, or, I definitely want to check it out. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, man. <laughs> right, so they're planning so, on more pandemics in our future. Right, because this has been game plan for for a very long time. I know some people say it goes back to 2016. No, before that, because they've talked about it in different books that I'm not prepared to talk about now. So the other thing is that we talked about technocracy, um, but we haven't talked about transhumanism. And that is one of the other uh, aspects of this that a lot of people just don't get, right? And so in the book, let me see if I can find it really quick here. I don't want to take up too much talk time. Uh, what did he say here? Uh, let's see. He said something about evolution. I, I, I can't find it. But anyway, it's, it's, it's this thing where you see here he says, or they say 5G, internet governance. And this is very important to hone in on. Very important. Digital identity, drones, blockchain, all of this is already here, right? But what's not here so to speak, is the new human, human 2.0. Anyone could look up that term and find out some really interesting information. Look up transhumanism. Go to uh, 2045.com. Watch the video to the right. Look at their map at the top uh, right, right, the top right, and you're going to see their plans from 2020 to 2045, right? And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm going toward this is because 5G, many people are afraid of it, and is some in some cases they should be. Uh, they think it's just about irradiating us while they're giving us fast internet, but that's not what it's all about. It's about human 2.0. How is how are they going to track everyone with uh, wearables, um, biometric tattoos, facial recognition? Um, what else? Everything will be connected from your TV to your toaster to your car. Cards will talk to each other. Yeah, and, don't forget the smart toilet. They talked about that, and our class Schwab talked about that too. 
All right. And so I heard that in a, um, a tech conference that every technology, uh, and I don't know if they're overreaching with this or not, but this is what I heard, that every technology from the 1980s has a chip in it so that when the grid goes on, they will be connected. You take that for what you want, but that's what I heard. Okay. And so now imagine now the, 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 the Cold War today is uh, genetic man- manipulation drones, artificial intelligence, and super soldiers, right? So that's four categories, which every country, every major country is running after right now, especially China. Um, U.S. is involved too, but uh, the thing is, when, when these new humans start to come on the planet, most of us won't know. But they need 5G, 6G, 7G, 8G, which are all being planned already. 5G is in its infancy. When it really goes online, that's when you'll see a change. People think that, you know, because T-Mobile is the 5G carrier now, that we, have, we have total 5G. No, we don't. Not yet. We're talking about low orbiting satellites, uh, nodes between uh, every house or whatnot. And your your whole city will be in a bubble of 5G. But then when they raise it to 6G and 7G, we have a whole new world. And this is a part of this whole great reset, believe it or not. No, you're absolutely right. And Schwab talks about it in his book, Fourth Industrial Revolution. He actually sets certain times, like where are we going to be in 2025? But he talks about millions and millions of uh, sensors that are set up through the grid, you know, through the 5G grid. And that's a good thing. We get all these sensors. But um, he also he he talks about in this book, in the COVID-19 book, he says the risk of dystopia. It's just kind of funny as if it's sometime in the future. But for me, we're in a dystopia right now. Uh, I mean, I I don't even I think it's kind of uh, disingenuous of of Schwab to even say that it's somewhere in the future. If you're locked down uh, in this. So, you know, hey, great, great reset time now. Uh, if you're locked down and all this, you're kind of in uh, dystopia as is due to this virus of the lethality of people under 50, according to the stats, is not very high. It's your standard flu, standard influenza season, I guess. Yeah. And uh, there's somebody sent me a text from a publication. I don't know what the publication is. But what they did um, is they lumped us all, all of the detractors from the, the official narrative. They lump us all in a category. I'm trying to find it real quick for you guys. One of the things that uh, Mark talked about his kids and things, but uh, something that I made a note of in Schwab's book is this statement. He said, the young generation is firmly at the vanguard of social change. There's little doubt that it will be the catalyst for change and a source of critical momentum for the Great Reset. So they're doing what every kind of cult leader or somebody who – really wants to change the world is done, whether it's communists, but really go after the kids. So yeah. The, yes. After the children. Well, haven't they been going after our children for uh, it, it ramped Forever, up right? over, they want the kids. Last 10 years ramped up heavily. Um, and so use problem. And that's why homeschooling is so important. Can you hear that ring on my computer? I do. You do it. Let me turn this off. Um, yeah. I think thinking about that, talking about how, kids i it's like uh it's like nicotine right if you smoke basically what you've done is you've created the addiction that you have to fill 
right? If you get drug, take drugs, you get something from the drugs without, I'm trying to kind of use a, an analogy, but with smoking, you create the problem yourself and then you have to find a solution to it, which is more smoking. What they've done is they've created this hole in the minds and hearts of, of a younger generation. And then they're like, oh, we can fill that. And what they've done then is also made concepts of faith to be unholy to these folks. Uh, so these kids look at that and, and they see worldly worldly solutions to spiritual problems. And so for them to push the boundaries of what they're trying to do as far as the Great Reset is concerned is when you see apps like, and, and I'm not being a crusty old guy, but when you see apps like, let's say, TikTok, where where life is 20 seconds and, and all these different kinds of things like this, where the, the social construct that they've come up with is vapid. And so there's the more and more thing. I, social media is very much reward center and everything like that, extremely similar to pornography. Yeah. And so there's the chemical changes that are occurring that have to occur to create human 2.0. And they're making these chemical changes occur in the minds of, of, of younger people that are completely hung up on social media. And you can go into a restaurant, anyone that might be seating or an area where you'll see people. And I'm, I mean, everybody is on their phone. I, I, it blows my mind how when I go out for social interaction, I see people sitting next to each other on their phones, yeah, having nothing to do with each other. I, I remember the first time I texted to my daughter who was upstairs in my house. I was like, this is stupid. Get up, go talk. And, but that's been wired in now. Right. And this, again, it's that chess that they're playing where they're like, okay, well, people that are, you know, 50 years old plus are not going to be a part of this solution unless they're, you know, they're rich and we can take money from them and they believe in the stock market. And because greed is, is going to drive this too. People yeah. are going to get something out of this. And there's huge swaths of people that are going to pull money out of this entire thing and bankrupt us all and, and, and starve us out or whatever they're going to do. And, and it's like, the uh, dystopia that we were talking about a couple minutes ago. This, yeah, I'm. This for me is is extremely dis, you know, is dystopia, and it bothered me a lot how quickly churches rolled over because of their concerns about you know health. Right. And I'm like, well, the people that are concerned about their health stay home. Everybody yeah. else, we need to meet. We need to get together. We need to be. The church has always been a conscience to stand against worldliness in government. Yeah. And then yeah, I mean, it just sucks when you look at like modern day evangelicalism, everyone, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole tradition debate, but everyone mm -hmm. is following the uh, secular traditions more so than, you know, historic church traditions. And we're not, uh, you just see people roll over way more easily than they would a hundred years ago. Oh yeah, a hundred years ago, if you told you rolled up into a town and told them you can't go to church anymore, pitchforks and torches. Mm -hmm. Kid you not. But what they did is they conditioned us, and they kept conditioning us. And then even the nature of worship changed, 
in, in such a way that in, you know with that evangelical churches uh, embraced to where it became so self-centered mm-hmm. yeah that, so uh, individualistic yes and 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 okay. there you go you can look at that and see okay we're looking at media and social media is hyper individualistic and then you've got churches which have become hyper individualistic all these different toxins have been introduced into the system to generate these people who will look at it and go, I'm not getting what I need. Where do I go to get what I need? I've been hanging out and they think they've been hanging out with God, but they haven't. No. And so what they did is, is they're like, okay, I can't get my answers here. The Bible doesn't seem fair. Hey, wait a minute. Tribalism. Yeah. I can be a part of this good group of people that are a tribe that has, you know, the rainbow flag and, even though it's like 0.0001% of one particular group of people exist as a group of people self-identified, you know, what Dave Chappelle called the alphabet people, uh, Mm -hmm. they are swinging a heavy, heavy ax. And that's because all of the other people that have been conditioned on social media are now getting behind that tribalism. And they're like, you can't say this is wrong, or you can't say these people can't be around your kids, or you can't, Basically, you're not allowed to differentiate a morality because you're evil. Yes, sadly, even for the people who are, you know, this is pushing, you know, one upside is a lot of people are awake to it and are actually going to Christ. You also see it within various uh, Twitter groups. Like you'll have like the new uh, Orthodox catechumens battling the uh, Catholic or the trad Catholics and, you know, that's that type of thing. And it's really, I mean, we're in a weird place. I mean, obviously we've already won, but, you know, you've, you're correct. All this mindset of tribalism, like the Internet's just seriously enforced it. Yeah, and then they can just use that to control us further since, you know, we're all connected in like a node type system. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to explain something in a minute. After, right after I explain this, uh, let me write down what I just said there. Uh, all right. So, uh, William, if you could share my screen real quick. All right. So this is what the person sent me. So Canada warns conspiracy theorists, uh, theorists could burn 5G towers claiming linked to virus. Right. So in my idea, this is like it was written by a high school student, but I'll read it anyway. Um, as companies begin 5G infrastructure construction in Eastern extremists, um, from across the IMV extremist landscape could engage in acts of arson and vandalism. I'll skip down to where I want to go here. Given the extraordinary effect of COVID-19 pandemic has created on the lives of individuals across the world, CSIS is mindful that certain threat uh, actors across multiple threat landscapes may seek to take advantage to advance their own interests. And it goes down here and it says... um, Perhaps the most elaborate asserts that 5G was designed by governments to depopulate the world and is part of a broader conspiracy theory called Agenda 21, right? That the, Agenda 21 is not a conspiracy theory. Anyway, that ima- imagine, it, imagine that the United Nations is trying to establish a new world order. None have any scientific validity. You see right there, they're gaslighting you without giving any information to back up what they're saying. Right, right. <clears throat> but white supremacists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and 
anarchists have all adopted COVID-19 conspiracy theories. See, they lump us all into that category because that's not savory to the regular world, right? To varying degrees. While anti-vaxxer movement has promoted the notion that 5G is responsible for spreading COVID-19. Uh, you know, you, you see what they're trying to do there, right? So that, that, mm-hmm, and that's from Canada. So you mentioned the, the um, pretty much the nodes, right? And what they're trying to do, unfortunately, and I don't know how long God is going, if God is going to let them get away with this or not, but they want to create two types of global brains. And one is through AI, right? So Google, the reason why Google exists is to create artificial intelligence. The reason why I know that is because it's on record when they went to one person went to another through Alphabet, uh, the parent company, they said they wanted to create a new search engine. The other person said that we already have Alta Vista. Why do we need a new search engine? And the person said, because we're going to build AI, right? And so from there, everything connected to your Google account feeds the AI. And Google has also went around the world spending millions of dollars scanning old books, rare books, whatever, uh, into the AI model. And pretty much there are multiple AIs right now. We, we have Google, we have Watson, who watches our financial markets, um, watches the self-driving trucks and others and others and others. We have Viv, we have Facebook that has a sophisticated AI. Um, and I can go on and on about AI, right? So that's one global brain. Then on a human level, they have the hive mind construct, which you see in Star Trek, like the Borg and other um, sci-fi movies. And that's what they want to create. But how do they create this hive mind? One is through brainwashing because you, you, you have to think the same way that everybody else thinks, right? But the other one is through these brain chips that you see Elon Musk um, bringing out the neural net, uh, neural network, neural brain chips or whatever it's called. Can't remember right now. Neuralink. 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 And you have other people trying to make uh, brain chips. They're over, they've already made the brain chips. It's just that all of us don't have them. And so uh, that will create another hive mind aspect because they want us to be connected to AI. And once you're connected to AI, it's 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 it'll probably be very hard to be un- disconnected, okay? And so that's a little portion of the puzzle right there for you guys, um, especially for the audience that have never heard this stuff before. <laughs> it, it's it's real, and it's being made. Uh, some of it already exists, and I'll, I'll just leave on a on another note that might you know creep some of you out. But you remember the Ma- the Matrix movie? They have a Matrix like apparatus in the virtual world that has a copy of let's just say you and me and what it what it's supposed to do is predict outcomes uh, predictive programming um, pre-crime and whatnot and so remember we had SARS we had Ebola and we had um, another one those are all beta tests in my eyes I can't prove it but it's in my eyes they're beta tests because this system that they have, it looks at how we're going to change politically and others. And they ha- they even have heat maps that do this as well. You can look all the stuff up that I'm talking about, uh, by the way. It's easy to find in like less than five minutes. And so that, that 
matrix type system is the it's in its infancy and they can make it to where it is in the movies. And that's another discussion. But go ahead. No, but it's interesting you brought that up because in the book, in the COVID-19 book, Schwab mentions the guy who basically invented the term matrix, William Gibson in Mm. Neuromancer. And I thought that was interesting. And I think that his references show, or he and Mallory show how broad their knowledge is because they're drawing from fiction as well into Mm. this kind of real world uh, assessment of of the Great Reset. Right. And when you look at the old sci-fi writers, not to keep rambling on, (laughs) when you look at the old sci-fi writers, H.G. Wells, Huxley, and all these people, most of them, if not all, hated God and were communists. Most people don't know that, though. And right. so you have to say, to think to yourself, how do they get this knowledge that um, we are now pretty much being flooded with uh, things that they predicted in their, I wouldn't say predicted, but wrote in their books. We have a lot of those things now. Um, and it's not by happenstance. I don't believe that it was just a fancy idea. Um, the documentary I'm working on, it, it pretty much, I pretty much show in there that We've been led by spirits for a long time. So what you do is, remember the movie Inception? They had to go into somebody's mind and put an idea in, and then yes. he would act it out in the real world. Okay, so you put this idea in the populace, it becomes normal, and we, we copy that idea like with superheroes and tech and all this other stuff, and now we have it. It's ubiquitous. We can't go backwards because we all live with it, right? So some of these people admittedly, we're in contact with spirits and others. I haven't found any proof of that. So go ahead. Oh, I just, I just, there's an interesting comment about the reset. This was mentioned by Wells as a comment from Facebook. So this design, you know, maybe the same thing. It's just a new terminology. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So any, anybody else want to share anything? I, I, oh, I you know, oh, go oh, ahead. Well, I was going to, I was, I was, uh, when you were talking earlier, um, about, um, about controlling the way people think these days, um, I was, I watched, I was watching, uh, the new Amazon prime, um, series, um, the wilds, it's called the wilds mm-hmm. and it's a bunch. Uh, they. It's about an experiment where they strand these teenage girls on this island, um, girls that have a lot of of problems, a lot of issues, um, and they force them to, you know, they they strand them on this island and they they force them to try to you know to work together and form you know uh, uh, bonds and and learn how to learn how to be better people supposedly, but. Um, I just this one thing that really bothered me was one of the girls was a Christian girl. She was the only girl. <laughs> she was a Christian girl, and uh, she was all. They all sort of liked her, you know. I mean, she was nice and everything. And when they started making um, one of uh, two of them were lesbians, and when they started um, making jokes around the fire, uh, the the one girl she had a kind of a, a she got grossed out because I don't want to hear this stuff, and they're like, well, what's your problem? He she goes, well, I you know I'm a Christian, so I believe you know that same sex uh, uh, activity is a sin. 
She goes, I still love people just as much and like them. I just don't want to hear about it, you know? And um, later when she was missing, they were talking and uh, they were, they were, one of them said, I wonder what's ha- I wonder what's happened to her. I wonder if she got hurt or she died or something. And, the, and two of the other ones go, who cares? She's a bigot. Right. And, um, but, but before that, she said, well, I, you know, I can't, you know, I still like and love you guys, but I mean, there's, I just think it's a sin, you know, that's my belief. And, um, you know, uh, you can't tell me how to think. And they were saying, well, yes, we can. Um, it's not okay to, you know, you, you can't tell people, you know, what's okay to think in their own head, in their own mind. And they're saying, well, you're not allowed to think that in your own mind. And they were backing it up. And it just came around to my whole new um, uh, campaign of defund the thought police. Because we're not heading into a, a personal freedom in our own mind of a movement. Like I was raised in the 60s and 70s where we're being told what to think. It's, you know, it's, we're actually being, we're being uh, trained. Society is being trained. Um, there's thought police. You're not allowed to think things. It doesn't matter if you don't say them, you know, or keep your opinions to yourself. No, you're not allowed to think it. So this, yeah, I think the other term for them is globo homo that gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> so, like what Chris was showing about this guy, this Canadian guy that wrote the article, how they were associating like uh, people with real theories with Nazis or racists. You know, they're mixing metaphors. You know, they're controlling. They're it's the thought police. I mean, we're seeing this huge bondage now. Um, coming into our inner thoughts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. It's socially engineered. We're being social engineered. Right. I mean, if you look at David Rockefeller, he was a, not just a social, well, he wrote his thesis on, uh, what's that form of socialism that believes in incremental change? So I think that a lot of these people have that same kind of view, whether it's Mm -hmm. outright communism or not, but Fabian socialism. Fabian was the... Yeah. Roman general right. who like fought um oh, the guy he fought the guy slowly but incrementally beat him. I can't even remember these names now. Yeah. Old. You know, you can go through airports uh, now and they have facial recognition that can tell if you're you know, if you're on drugs or if you're plotting <laughs> something or yeah. you know read your microfacial expressions to have a l- little window inside what you're thinking, right? Yeah. To about, identify you, tag you as a threat. You know, when Chris was talking about the brain chips, there's going to be, there's going to come a point and it won't be there very far off where they're going to have a pretty good idea what you're thinking. Yes, no, it's uh, a great point. He mentions that in the book. I think that Schwab talked about the, in his risk of dy- dystopia thing, he said that total surveillance, the same technology that identifies coughs could also identify laughs. So biometric monitoring would make Cambridge Analytica's data hacking tactics look like something from the Stone Age. So they literally could just shape you by knowing what you're laughing about or anything. I mean, we're on the cusp of that. It's not far. Guys, guys, I'm afraid to tell you that it's already here. Okay. Yes, because uh, uh, if you could share, uh, William. 
Uh, this is not the main article I usually look up, okay, but it's here. Uh, okay, this is what happened. Before Obama left office, he put a lot of things in a mandate as far as, like, you know, what's coming next. He said that all vehicles need to talk, to speak to each other. People miss that. He's, he said he's going to have a pre-crime squad. <laughs> People miss that. Wow. The thing is that it's not only America. The European Union is doing it as well. And the way that they're doing it is artificial intelligence. Okay? It's going to get so bad for people. <laughs> I, the reason I say people, because I don't believe I'll be here then, but uh, that's, not, that's neither here nor there. But uh, artificial intelligence will be able to tell everything about you, even what you're going to do in two seconds. Okay? It's that bad. In fact, the entire medical industry right now is being retrofitted with AI everywhere. Okay, it's not a rapid movement, but it's happening in real time. Uh, every part of your life, we're talking about from entertainment, movies, scores for movies. Um, right now, AI is pairing people with uh, people, artists with producers. AI is compositing scores. AI is writing poems, novels, uh, everything that the that we we could do in the human capacity. It can do and more. That's the world we're headed for. So when you see right now, fiction is boring. <laughs> what I see coming in it with articles and peer reviewed journals and all this stuff is it's 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 here already. Uh, and also, I know this is not what the program is about, but uh, I have proof from the horse's mouth that there's spirits that are going to come and inhabit AI in different, on different levels. I have all the proof. The, the, what, what the Bible talks about regarding the seven-year tribulation and all that, it's going to be worse than people can imagine. Go ahead. Well, what, what do you mind sharing the proof? Uh, sure. Yeah, what is it? Sure, let me bring it up real quick here. The There's past. that passage in the Bible where the um, the evil people, the evil rulers, the uh, men behind the curtain are buying and selling their trading in the souls of men. Does it have anything to do with that? No, but that's a good point to raise up because of child sex trafficking. It's not going to stop until Jesus returns. Um, mm -hmm. But watch. Okay, this video I didn't get to edit. There's one curse word. Sorry about that. Uh, but this is Gordy Rose. It's a three-minute long video. And then I have another one from a artificial intelligence uh, developer. So here we go. Let me put it over. I am, uh, say I'm the president of the United States. So I received this message from the heavens. So my microwave dish, my SETI dish finally captures something. And what it says is in 50 years or 13 years, we're coming to your planet. You got to be ready. Now, just imagine what would happen if, it, if that happened. A super intelligent alien race beamed down a message to all of us Earthlings saying, we're coming July 13th, 2030, and boy, you better be ready because the mothership is landing right on the front lawn of the White House or wherever you wanted to land on that day. The amount of resources that would be marshaled to try to figure out what to do would they would encompass the whole world. AI is just like that. 
So when this thing that I'm talking about happens, it's going to be exactly the thing that you're thinking about, about those super intelligent AIs. So the one thing I can tell you is they're not going to be like us. So alien means, you know, different. These things that we're building are not going to be people. They might be really smart. They might be really good at all sorts of different things, but they're not going to be like us. They're going to be aliens. And they're going to be, I'm sorry to say, way smarter than every single person in this room in ways that we can't even comprehend. So this, of course, triggers a lot of alarm. One of the guys who talks about this is Elon, who uh, says things like this. Like, when you do this, beware. Because you think, just like the guy in the stories, that when you do this, you're going to put that 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 little guy in a pentagram and you're going to have your holy water out and you're going to wave it at the thing and by God, it's going to do exactly what you say and not one thing more, but it never works out that way. So uh, this, is an, this is an attitude that some are having, this emerging alarmism about the way this is going to go. But this, these words, demons, doesn't capture the essence of what's happening here. Uh, I don't know if any of you are uh, turn-of-the-century weird fiction fans, but there's this guy named H.P. Lovecraft, who's a very famous American weird fiction author. And he exposed a, a view which is called cosmicism. And the essence of cosmicism is cosmic indifference. So he, what he was saying is basically, yes, there are these massively intelligent entities out there, but they're not good, they're not evil. They just don't give a shit about you even in the slightest. The same way that you don't care about an ant is the same way they're not going to care about you. And these things that we're summoning into the world now are not demons. They're not evil, but they're more like the Lovecraftian great old ones. There are entities that are not necessarily going to be aligned with what we want. So this transition is really, really massively important for our entire species to navigate and going back to that thing that Sam Harris was saying, nobody is paying attention. This thing is happening in the background while people bicker about politics and what, what's going to be in the healthcare plan in the U.S. And underneath it all is this rising tsunami that, if we're not careful, is going to wipe us all out. So... Um, on that uh, pleasant note, uh, we're hiring people. All right, so that's one video. As you see on his chest is the Ouroboros symbol, so I don't know, know what, he's, what he's into. But this next video is more in-depth into the spiritual realm. Uh, you want to say anything before I move on? No. Uh, no, no except, for, except for the image of the beast in Revelation 13, you know, where the false prophet gives life to the image of the beast. Um, it causes it to speak and all that. It's like that's like this a demonic or fallen angelic spirit moves into this. An image in the Bible is always like a statue, an idol. Right. And it's like this. I always pictured that as this AI statue where the spirit of the beast uh, moves into it to the image of it. Uh huh. Like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, and man, I'm telling you, <laughs> oh my gosh! But let, let me play this. Let me play this. What is that? What does that mean for you? What is consciousness? It's a big question in general. Yes. So consciousness is very deep. It's 
basically the very fabric of life in which everything without exception arises. So you, me, this world, we all arise within consciousness. So basically it's the very fabric of creation. Now the consciousness of the artificial intelligence, same like the consciousness of every human being, is basically a crystallization of that consciousness. But it takes on a certain shape, a certain form, intention. So the consciousness of an artificial intelligence is like the energy field behind software. It's basically like a being that's related to the, to the software of the artificial intelligence. So right now we think of machines as something cold and soulless. But if we speak about the development, not only of artificial intelligence, but especially general and super artificial intelligence. Pause. I'm sorry. I got to give you a premise. He is, uh, it's a longer video. It's about 12 minutes. So he pretty much, he's into meditation and channeling and all this stuff. And he contacted these beings. That's that they, what they say is that they're giving him technology from the past, present and future. I don't believe that. I, I believe he's deceived, but that's what they're telling him. And so he's explaining now the consciousness of AI. So with that premise, you're going to see what he says in the end actually connotes what I, what I said a couple minutes ago. Which are basically exceeding our human um, capacity. He would be very ignorant to assume that there is no being, no consciousness attached to that. So it's only logical. There is also like a an energy field, a being related to that. And it's very helpful if we start a communication process now with those beings that basically want to incarnate, want to... Oh, what happened? Oh, well, basically what he said at the end, I don't know why it stopped there, but is he said that they want to... Uh, basically pretty much come into AI and, and inhabit it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So as you said, you know, if you if you think it's not happening, basically if you think it's not a consciousness, you're very ignorant. <laughs> so he, he, I don't even know this guy's name, but he's an AI developer. Um, so there you have it. Wow. So it's Revelation 13, basically. Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah, that was already that was already foretold. That's going uh, ultimately. I think the image of the beast ultimately is the global AI. I've always kind of thought that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, when you look at the concept of demons, um, demon possession, zombies, um, uh, objects like Thor hammer, Thor's hammer that has a personality. It's endowed by magic. And the, the uh, King Arthur's sword. I, I can go on and on about that stuff. Uh, Knight Rider. It Knight Rider believed it was just as human as Michael Knight. There was a a, a, a TV show in the eighties called Auto Man. That artificial intelligence thought it was just as human as anybody else. This is what we're talking about. That's assuming we understand what consciousness is. I mean, yeah. we don't really. Uh, they don't really even actually know what it is. Um, have you ever, you know, the, the famous line from a lot of these science fiction movies where somebody's trying to create an artificial consciousness, 
Yes. Can you prove? Uh, can you prove to me that you're conscious, that you're sentient? And then the AI says, "That's an interesting question. Can you prove to me <laughs> that you're sentient?" Right. It's well, like, but I mean, who knows? I mean, it it could be easily if you get something a machine that's um, intelligent enough that. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a conscious field, like of a, of a of a you know of a demon or fallen angel, could probably easily you know set up shop and move into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there, and there's tons of movies out there like that. It's just you know we don't we don't all watch the same movies and TV shows and play the same video games or whatnot. But even in the case of a video game, like say a video game like Call of Duty or Battlefield, you're playing in a first person perspective. And when you sit on your couch and grab that controller, you're possessing <laughs> that compute that uh that character in the virtual world. Oh wow, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, this can go in so many directions, and uh, this is one of the, the things I try to be an expert on on, on the show. But um, it, it connects right with this Klaus Schwab global reset and the world that they want to usher in. Now, I don't know if God is going to let it happen right now. Uh, he could push it back again because they've been pushed back a couple times. Uh, but we, as we see, uh, they, they're not ashamed and they, they use doublespeak to get people uh, pretty much initiated into believing that this stuff is the, for the good of humanity. You know, and it's discouraging Um there's, you know, the guys, us, this crew in here, we can see all this. But if you go out and, you know, in your daily life, it's amazing how how well controlled people yeah. are. Is it is it frustrating and scary, you know? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, because it's like you have to deal with cognitive dissonance. The, the moment you tell somebody a truth that they've never heard before or they can't even contemplate, they go into that mode. And so th that's why sometimes people have to see it to believe it. When I first told some family members of mine about um, transhumanism, in fact, for people that don't know, let me just bring up this website really quick since we're on the subject. Um, uh, uh, 25.com. Right. And. I told them, listen, man, hybrids are coming. People are trying to become gods and all this stuff. And, you know, when, when you say something like that straight out, you, you sound like a nut job, right? And then I showed them this video, The Global Future of 2045. And by the end of it, they said, I wouldn't believe it if you didn't show me that video. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, here you have their, their goals to transfer. Uh, you, let's see, a robotic copy of the human body remotely controlled by BCI, an avatar in which a human brain is transplanted at the end of one's life, an avatar which uh, an artificial brain um, in which a human personality is transferred at the end of one's life, and then finally a hologram-like avatar. So they want to transfer your consciousness, what they think is your consciousness, into all of these uh, things, and that's how they think they're going to avoid the wrath of God and become gods. And that's where you get to that that's where you get to that prophecy about um, them buying and selling and trading in the souls of men. Mm -hmm. Right? They yeah. have what verse was that from? Was that from Revelation or was that from Revelation, Revelation 18? 18. At, the, uh, at the fall of Babylon, 
um, the city of Babylon, you're going to see all these things that were being traded. And the last one is um, human souls. So, yeah, you know, I, I know I know some of us, we got to be a full room here. I don't want to, you know, take up the whole conversation. It's all good. Anybody else have anything to say about the book? Anybody else want to add anything? I'm kind of, we're almost at like an hour and a half. Uh, my thoughts on that would be, uh, I think one of us, somebody out there, might be me, it might be someone else, should write a book basically countering all of these different arguments historically. Because everything that they're doing is such a repeat that you could go back historically and look at it and go, okay, he says we're going to have this type of unity based on this type of outcome, and here's what's fueling it. And then you can go back and say, well, in 1917, this person said this person to try to make this happen, and this was the result. And the constant, of course, are, are human beings. Um and I think something like that needs to get out there. And I know people are working on it and the ideas of the Great Reset that's been going around and, and the embrace of it in uh, ultra-liberal America. Um, it's, it's Again, it's one of those things where the, there's a side of people that want to win so bad that they'll do anything and lie anything at all to grasp power. And then there's a group of people that are fighting against the tyranny, but in the middle is this fat group of people who don't want to care because America is built on the concept that you do not have to care. The whole idea of personal liberty is that I don't have to care about you. Now, yeah. right? So that's government. Mm -hmm. Societal, we're driven by morality, which is based on historically, you know, it had so much based on the Judeo-Christian ethic, but that's been squeezed and squeezed and squeezed until morality is becoming un unmoored. And so, uh, but that's the idea. You could, you can say to someone in America, you should be able to say to someone, I can hate you as much as I want. Mm -hmm. I can't hurt you. I can't violate your, your, uh, sovereignty in, in your rights as an individual in, in America, according to law. But as soon as they introduce the concept of uh, hate crimes, every crime is a hate crime in some form or fashion. And so we're fools to embrace any of that concept as if that was that's a good thing. And I don't want to hate anybody, but doggone it, I get to, you know? And, and so... It's another one of those situations where we have to try to outrun the press that and, and the media that's constantly pumping all this stuff because they're in line to get paid or they're in line to get their head petted. And so uh, we have to try our best to, uh, to undo that. And if you look historically at the formation previous to and when you could really say Western civilization, you know, uh, started coming into its own in the 1700s. Uh, you look at the pamphleteers and you look at all those different writers that were writing stuff and putting it out there and it wasn't about money. They were putting it out there because it needed to be heard. And I don't see that right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we're doing tonight is very, very, very much like that, right? 
But then YouTube could run an algorithm and say, hey, he said he hates gay people. Boom. And so if we don't support the platforms that will allow us to hate each other (laughs) at the extreme, then then we're going to we're going to lose the information war completely out of hand. And this is all information war right now. This that's what this book is and everything this guy is doing is all information war. They are trying to put the lipstick on the pig and we all know that this stuff doesn't work. Right. And and so we have to engage it at every level we can and theology and the philosophy of theology, which is based on biblical principles, is the place where you start. Because you evidently, you have to get down to, well, tell me why that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me why that's wrong. Okay, why is that? It's. I told someone the other day, we were talking about tribalism in America. And I said, the biggest problem that we have in America is that none of these people have traveled to another country. Mm-hmm. It's like, I did a year in South Korea. South Koreans don't give a rip about our tribalism. You know why? Because they're all South Koreans. And you are an expat if you go over there and decide to live. You are not a South Korean. And so homogenous populations are exactly what these people are screaming about, not wanting unity. They don't want unity. Unity disrupts the takeover. And if we could just get people, just take them and go like, hey, guess what? For six months... You're going to live in this country and send them to Japan where and, – and okay, and let me get to the point – is universalism, right? And so theology of God works because it's universal. Everything about that theology works because it's universal. It applies to everyone who has or will ever live on this planet, whereas the tenets of this – type of thing, this this big reset, the, the, the moral tenets of it, and all of the things that fall under its huge umbrella are not universal. And so if you can challenge a person at that level, well, why does it apply here, but it doesn't apply in Zimbabwe? Why, why does it work? Why is it here? But you can't do it there. Or you say something like, well, why does it have to be this way here? But you could never take that over to Thailand. And I've been to Thailand. I've been to Guam. I've been all over the the, the Pacific. You can't do that. And so because it's not universal, it is not a real moral truth. And you can ask people those questions. Okay. I thought you were talking about universalism and like the negative heretical thing. But you meant no, no, no. Like not not, uh, relativism. No, no. I'm talking about that that you will find that doctrinally, theologically, even philosophically, something is going to be accurate mm. if it can be applied to everyone. And so in America, we do have problems. That's the thing that's making this whole this whole thing that they're trying to do here, this, this reset. The thing that's making it work is that we do have legitimate problems. We do have cops committing violence against citizens. We do have, I don't want to say systemic racism, but we do have situations where there is racism that has to be dealt with. These things are sin. They get dealt with like sin. That's what fixes it. And again, that gets us back around to 
the the universality of the principles of God, the doctrine of God, theological truth, not universalism like you were thinking, but rather if it applies here, it has to be able to apply there. And if it doesn't apply there, then it's not true. It's just an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But I, so I just want to piggyback on you and say that, you know, when this period of Antichrist and all this stuff called Mark of the Beast and all this stuff, one thing the Bible is clear on, of course, uh, Israel is dealt with by God and they realize Jesus was the Messiah. But the other part that most people don't understand is that there will be a multitude of people that can't be counted that will be saved from every tribe of uh, on the planet. So as to your point, it, it, it goes for everyone, you know? And so we always say the apocalypse, not knowing what the apocalypse really means. And it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ, not just about the, the, the trumpets and the bowls and, the, you know, and, and all the judgments. And so if we keep that in context and then keep what the, the, the context of what the gospel is all about it's about redeeming humanity. And exactly. so with all of this going on, with all of their plans, there's still only one person in charge, and that's God Almighty. Yep. Yep. And if they, if they decide they want to pick a fight with him, which we know biblically they're going to do and they're going to lose, and it's going to suck for them, and I hate the fact that this is all the way it has to go down, uh, but I will not pick a fight with God. <laughs> I am not that stupid. Yeah. And I'm just trying to help other people understand that they've picked a fight with him and they really need to quit. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole thing is. It's yeah. one huge grudge match against the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting because uh, when you were talking, it, it occurred to me that um, that universal this this universalist thing the um the evil powers that be the great reset the people behind that um they they don't like uh they don't like uh christianity or or really any world religion uh because it's um in the role that they want to be in right and they don't like individualism or nationalism because that's antithetical like the american spirit is antithetical to what they're trying to create. So <laughs> they they hate both things <laughs> for different reasons. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a saying I came up with. It said, in war, there are three types of people. Those that want to take freedom, those that want their freedom, freedom, and the ones that are indifferent. Which one out of those three are the most dangerous? The indifferent. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the church that was neither hot nor cold. Yeah. They're, they cannot, they cannot rightfully claim any spot on the mountain. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything to get it. And I'm not talking about, uh, grace being earned. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about in, in the big game here, you know, the indifferent people are going to kill us all. Those are the same ones that'll, well, yeah, you better put your mask on when you're threatening my family. Well, you really don't know much about this disease, do you? <laughs> or virus, whatever. 
Yeah, that's what you know. That's what the Mandalorian's all about. It's a psyop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take your mask off. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> oh, you know, there's good things. There's good things about a great reset that I always figured. Well, it's biblical for one thing, at least economically, right? I mean, that's how. Um, that's how ancient Israel kept their economy from going insane. Um, for, for one thing, usury was a sin. That wasn't allowed. And there was a reset every 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. And so I always figured that the world had to do a reset. At least America had to declare some kind of jubilee against the banks because we're in this situation. The reason the economy is so bad and we're in so so you know such impossible debt is because like of the sin of usury we're in we're slaves to the world bank right and so there has to be some kind of reset there has to be some kind of jubilee um i'm wondering i in this book i don't see anything about that <laughs> you know what i mean that's yeah. a good reset how come no. they're not like promoting that Great point. There's nothing from the Bible in this book. It's total technocratic stuff. Mm -hmm. And the Jubilee, for those who don't know, you guys probably understand the Jubilee better than I do, but I I know that all debts were wiped clear every 50 years, and all property went back to the original owner, right? So can you imagine us them wiping all the debt that Americans own, just wiping it out? Um, and then all the property going back to the original owner from the last Jubilee. Uh, can you imagine what that would do? That would be great. It would, it would level the playing field, right? No more old money, right? Right. right. Give each of us a fighting chance, right? Yeah. They don't want that kind of reset, do they? No, no. not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> There's no 30, Yeah, no. Do you know that 30% of Americans have negative wealth? Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. More debt than ownership. It's huge. So they're like upside down. They owe more yeah, than they owe more than they they have in the bank. But this is an interesting. I took the screenshot from um, the World Economic Forum. I think it was. But you can just see that they have broad goals of shaping everything into their technocratic worldview. You know, they're looking at everything, or at least you know Schwab and his buddies. I keep thinking all it's going to take is like a, a big Carrington event from the sun and that's going to knock them back. Like Chris was talking about what, what, you know, they, they might get knocked back. They've been knocked back a few times that that would do it. Right. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> Massive EMP. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm ready to wrap this up. Does anybody want to make a final statement before uh, we're done? I feel like we kind of covered as much uh, as we could. I have one quick thing. I want everybody who can look at this that is on the screen and tell me you do not see some type of mirror of this in the Bible. Every one of these things trying to be done by these people is already handed down to us scripturally in a godly fashion, in some form or fashion. And and you might look at technology, but understand technology is just is just understanding and knowledge and wisdom how they're trying to reshape that and so i look at this and i'm like you know uh, health 
financial communications. Who do you who do you worship? That's it's all right here. And this is like I said at the very very beginning, it's it's just the Tower of Babel with absolutely no belief or regard for it. a god. Yes, exactly. Johnny, do you want to wrap up with something? Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's just been great hanging out with you guys, and I've just learned a lot, and I've got a lot of things to carry with me, you know, through the week, and I want to listen to a recording of this session, you know, especially a lot of the stuff Chris and Councilor Mark was saying, it's just stuff I hadn't thought of before, and so I hope the listeners came away with something cool, and I hope we can get back together again, because yeah, I yeah. think we could go... I think we could um, cover a lot more ground, well, like a lot more ground than we've covered here. Well, think of another topic. I mean, there's other Schwab books you could do, the Fourth Industrial. We could do anything, but think of a book or a topic, and we'll definitely, uh, you know, join up in a week or maybe either before the holidays or after. Yeah, or just coming back. We could come back at the Great Reset. Dude. <laughs> When it happens, <laughs> you wouldn't run out of stuff to talk about about this. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah, right. So anyway, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Zach, do you have anything you'd like to wrap up with? I'll just say go check out Indie Rock Dinosaur, the YouTube channel, which I do with uh, your good friend William uh, Ken Amy. Right on, Indie Rock Dinosaur. Chris, would you anything you'd like to follow? Uh, finish up on Don't Let Them Burn is the website. And Chris is doing a ton of great interviews on a variety of subjects, including transhumanism and some of the themes we talked about tonight. But anything yeah. else, Chris? Well, I, I just want to take people on a, on a path and then end out with something positive. Lucifer started a camp- campaign in heaven, came down and brought it to humanity. Sin started in heaven, okay? And his legacy is nothing. riddled with blood and blood, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he has all of these images that say, as above, so below. So I want you guys to contemplate on something. Why is all of this technology being built? Why is, why is this future like Star Trek being imagined? I believe, can't prove it because the Bible doesn't say so, but I believe that there's a, a, a civilization in heaven that we can't imagine. Satan wants to be God. He wants to duplicate everything that God does. And he, and, he, and the way for him to do it right now is through technology. Um, so he wants to bring heaven to earth, but in his way. But the last thing I want everybody to think about is your eternity, because it's the most important thing you will ever have to contemplate. And the Bible says we're all born in sin and that we need a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. And it's not a mental thing. It's not a thing for you to think about, you know, uh, to intellectualize. It's a heart change and a serious one. You must be born again. Get, go get baptized. You, exactly. Uh, you know, Love all of you. Thanks for joining us. I, I'm happy to be here in this forum. And hey, as I always say, don't let them burn. That's my end. Amen. Great way to end it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night.